Hello and welcome back to the South American Football Show. As we continue our journey around the continent, we're heading up 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 to the altitude of Bolivia for this episode to talk about some interesting stories and uh, some some drama in preparation for Bolivia's return to football. It's been a complicated procedure in much of South America and it seems no more so than in Bolivia. I'm delighted to be joined by Austin Miller. Austin, welcome. What are you doing in Bolivia? Uh, it's a long story, Simon, that I think we'll get into here in a bit. But as listeners of this podcast for a long time will know, Bolivia is an area that we've always struggled to cover. Uh, it's a place that doesn't feature a lot of, of English-speaking expats. Information from Bolivia can be hard to find. Its, it's record in World Cup qualifying is obviously poor. And so it is certainly probably the country of the 10 that we know the least about. Uh, and in an effort to rectify that, I, I had an off day today, didn't have too much work and kind of got stuck in a rabbit hole and found the information to be interesting enough that I've named myself Bolivian football expert, at least enough to come on a podcast and talk about it for 20, 30 minutes. So I'm excited to be here and I hope that this story will be fascinating, as fascinating for the listeners as it was to me in, in learning it and kind of reporting it out and fleshing it out. Yeah, absolutely. We're always often enthusiastic outside ob observers of Bolivia, um, trying to get our head around the situation. Uh, often it's admin that is their undoing, but uh, it seems that there's been some some internal issues in the organization. Uh, Austin, uh, go ahead. Tell me, what's the story in Bolivia at the moment? Yeah, so like everything else in South America, football stopped in March in Bolivia. Um, you know, dates were kind of bandied about for when it would return. But as we record this podcast here in the first week of October, there's still not a date set for domestic football to return in Bolivia. Two Bolivian clubs, uh, Bolivar and Jorge Wilstermann, have been competing in, in the Conmebol Libertadores. Uh, we can get on to how those two teams in particular have, have performed maybe at the end here. But Bolivia was in the same kind of stopped situation as the rest of the continent. Uh, and then July, unfortunately, the president of the Bolivian Federation, Cesar Salinas, actually passed away from COVID. Uh, and his passing actually led to a power vacuum at the, the top of the Bolivian Federation. And the two vice presidents of the Federation, um, Robert Blanco and Marco Rodriguez, both obviously felt that they had a claim to the title of presidency in the wake of the death of Salinas. And so these two men, Blanco and Rodriguez, kind of each got their own faction, for, for lack of a better term, behind them and believing that they were the man who should be the next president. So behind Robert Blanco, you have what's referred to as the, the G6, the G6 of Jorge Wilstermann and Bolivar, which are the two Bolivian clubs still alive in this year's Libertadores along with Royal Pari, Blooming, Oriente Petrolero, and Guavira, who are six other teams in the Bolivian top division, which features 14 teams. And behind Marco Rodriguez was the G8, G8 which features the strongest, uh, one of the bigger clubs in Bolivia, obviously the La Paz rivals of Bolivar, Always Ready, Blooming, Atletico Palmaflor, San Jose de Oro, who we saw in the Libertadores last year, the two Potosí clubs, Nacional and Real, and then Santa Cruz and Aurora. And so it ended up that Rodriguez took power at the head of the federation, but the group that was behind Blanco wasn't exactly pleased with this turn of events. And so now we've got this schism in Bolivian football between the group of eight and the group of six. And that has, I think, certainly contributed to a lack of a return date for football in the country. 
And it has also caused a very interesting situation when it comes to the national team. For Bolivia, without club football to be played, this is a traditionally a national team, Simon, as I'm sure you know, that is made up in large part of domestic-based players. They look to use La Paz, the altitude of La Paz, to their advantage. They pick players who are accustomed to playing at that altitude. Even if they don't play for the La Paz clubs, they certainly have more experience playing in La Paz than other players would. So this is a national team that generally 85 to 90% of it is made up of players playing in Bolivia. So on August 17th, uh, Venezuelan manager Cesar Farias called in a squad of Bolivian domestic-based players to actually begin training. There wasn't any domestic football going on, and so he got approval from the government to call in a squad to begin training ahead of, at the time, the September or October, whenever they were going to be World Cup qualifiers. We now know that those will happen here at the end of this week. So Farias calls in a squad of players. He elects not to call in anybody from Jorge Wilsterman or Bolivar because those two teams had begun preparations for the resumption of the Libertadores. But he does call in three players from Oriente Petrolero, Ronaldo Sanchez, Mateo Zoch, and Freddy Roca, along with a group of, of a lot of other players from, you know, the strongest, always ready, blooming, etc., etc. So this group trains together for about a month. And then last week on September 30th, uh, the president of Oriente Petrolero, who is Ronald Raldez, who used to captain the Bolivian national team, withdraws his three players, Sanchez, Zoch, and Roca, from the group that had been training together and says that the clubs of the G6, um, Petrolero, Blooming, uh, Royal Pati, Bolivar, Wilsterman, and Guabira, won't allow their players to be called up for the national team because of this schism that's in the federation and in the country due to the presidency. So these three players get recalled. And then that means that Farias can't call up any player. So his plan original originally was to then call in uh, the Bolivar and Wilsterman players who had been training, obviously with their clubs, playing with their clubs in the Libertadores, call in those players for the world cup qualifiers. Um, Juan Carlos Arce is a player who's played a lot for Bolivia uh, Pedriel is an attacking player who's played a lot for Bolivia with Wilsterman. Uh, obviously, King Eddie Zenteno, center back for Wilsterman, has seen plenty of Bolivian experience. Uh, Melian, another defender from Wilsterman. So the, the good players now not being called up for Bolivia. And so this is the situation for Bolivia as they approach their World Cup qualifiers. And Simon, you know who their first two World Cup qualifiers are against due to a very, very cruel turn of the fixtures? Now, would that be Brazil and Argentina? It would be Brazil and Argentina, a trip to Sao Paulo to play a team that has never lost a World Cup qualifier at home in Brazil, a team who has qualified for every World Cup, and then a trip back to La Paz to play probably the second best side in South America, although I'm sure we can have that discussion whether they actually are or not in Argentina. So what Cesar Farias appears to have done here for Bolivia, Simon, is he's taken his A-team, if you will, the squad of the best Bolivian players available to him, which again doesn't include players from the two Libertadores sides, Wilsterman and Bolivar, nor the three players from Oriente Petrolero that he had already called up, and he's put nine players in La Paz ahead of the Argentina game, and those nine players are not going to travel to Brazil for the Brazil game. So of those nine players, we don't know exactly who those nine players are because Farias is playing this very close to the vest. We know four of those nine players are four of the five foreign-based players who have been called up for Bolivia. 
Marcelo Martins, who plays for Cruzeiro in Brazil, that's a name that if you follow the World Cup qualifying, you'll probably recognize. He's a Bolivian attacking player, very good South American attacking forward, probably one of the best players Bolivia has at the moment. Um, Alejandro Chumacero, who plays for Puebla in Mexico, again, another player who is probably one of the best Bolivian players right now. We've seen him be really good for the strongest, playing at a decent level in Liga Mekis in Mexico. Those are two veteran foreign-based players who are going to be in La Paz for the Argentina match, but will not travel to Brazil. And then two players who could be making their Bolivian debut in Boris Cespedes, who is a Swiss-Bolivian international who plays for a Servette in Switzerland, and Jaime Cuellar, who is a 19-year-old born in Spain playing for Spal in Italy. So those four players, joined by another five players who we don't know their identity, will be training in La Paz with... Bolivian footballing legend Pablo Escobar, who is Cesar Farias' assistant. So Escobar will train those nine players, while a squad of 23 will go to Brazil. And uh, in the words of Cesar Farias, Simon, they're going to Brazil to win. I'll I'll let you make a judgment on whether you think that'll happen or not. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And is is this this allowed to just uh, name two teams and just leave one of them on top of a mountain to adjust altitude? I think so. I I, I think so. Um, The players have been called up. They've been released by their clubs from FIFA. I think it's the, the discretion of the Bolivian Federation how they want to use those players. So of the players going to Brazil, pretty much the only thing we know for 100% certainty is Carlos Lampe, Boca Juniors legend by legend. I mean, he was signed for three months once to maybe play in the Libertadores and then didn't play in the Libertadores. He will be in goal for Bolivia. He plays for Always Ready now. He's a Bolivian veteran. He's going to start in goal against Brazil, and I would imagine he'll start in goal against Argentina and La Paz. And the rest of the team sheet is a big question mark because we don't know who's actually going to Brazil. Um, Josmani Campos, who plays for the strongest, he's had some experience outside of Bolivia. He is probably the best player who's been training with the Bolivian side since August. I would expect him to be in Brazil. He'll certainly start against Argentina. Uh, Bolivian press seems to think that the Segredo brothers, Jesus and Jose, who play for Blooming, could start at the wingbacks. And then a couple of younger guys who actually have experience with DC United up in the States in Antonio Bustamante and Bruno Miranda could also feature for Bolivia, maybe against Argentina, maybe against Brazil, maybe against both. So Bolivia seemed to have approached this with the strategy that they are going to keep things as close to the vest as possible. Uh, also that they are going to train as much as possible as a group with as many of their players as they can. And that, Simon, they have the game against Argentina circled as an opportunity for them, whereas the game against Brazil, uh, I imagine that we will see Bolivia set deep lines and hope that maybe somehow in 90 minutes they don't concede. I don't necessarily think that's going to be a possibility, but they held Brazil scoreless for like a half in last year's Copa America, so maybe they can do that twice. (laughs) Yeah, so maybe don't put too much money on Bolivia to win away in Brazil. Yeah, don't don't believe the press clippings. The press clippings will will have will have suggested that they're going to win, uh, but maybe not. If anything is uh, 
So, wow, interesting, interesting. Well, what, what, what chance do you give them uh, in the home game, the one that matters, <laughs> shall we say, uh, if we're being cynical, which perhaps we we feel we perhaps could be, given the maybe some would call sim- cynical approach of the Bolivian FA. Um, so what chance do you give Bolivia in the game that they care about against Argentina? Do you think they got a decent chance at home? Well, that's the thing here, Simon. I think of the South American countries, Argentina are the ones that have struggled the most in La Paz in recent years. In 2009, Argentina lost 6-1 away from home against Bolivia in La Paz. In the 2018 qualification cycle, a messy, I believe a messy less Argentina side, if I'm remembering correctly, lost 2-0 away from home against Bolivia. So they've gotten results against this Argentina side. It is tremendously difficult to play in La Paz, especially for a team that is primarily composed of European-based players. Uh, Many of these Argentina players, Simon, they probably play at altitude once every four years, and that's when they play away against Bolivia in La Paz for the World Cup qualifiers. So I think, yes, you you can take an eye towards this strategy and say, well, you know, not taking your best squad to a World Cup qualifier for a nation that struggled to qualify for World Cups is maybe not the way to go about this. But on the other hand, if Bolivia even can get a point against Argentina at home, that's a really, really good result for them. And if they can somehow manage to win that match, three points from two matches against Brazil and Argentina is a fantastic result for them. Things will only get easier. It, it literally cannot get any harder for Bolivia than these two matches uh, opening up these this 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 World Cup qualifying cycle for them. So I don't know. I, I'm intrigued enough by the strategy that I felt it was it was worth our listeners to to hear it out ahead of time and then maybe pass their judgments after it happens. But I think Bolivia at home against Argentina has certainly a shot to make a result and can definitely make that match hard on an Argentine side that is still yeah. trying to find its identity. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously as well, Bolivia, they haven't had games, they haven't had preparation, they've got a lot of players missing as well. So maybe you have to you have to, you know, play the cards you're dealt and, and take a few risks and maybe sure. it'll pay off. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think that's probably the type of approach here. You know, you bring in your experienced players and especially Bolivia's match against Brazil actually takes place on Friday night. So they lose an extra day of rest in between those matches. So they play Friday night and then have to come back and play on Tuesday. It's not like this is a national team that's just brimming with depth options that they can rotate into the squad with ease. So you take your shot when you think you have your best shot. And that's against Argentina on Tuesday in La Paz. I'm certainly intrigued by the strategy. I was intrigued by the story itself among the Federation. Uh, There's some... All right. I, I won't say there's some good players that, that can't be called up, but there's some players that have traditionally been figures in this Bolivian national team that aren't called up because of this situation. Uh, and I think it just makes for a really interesting story. And it is so typically South American World Cup qualifier that it really gets you in the spirit for, for a good old fashioned South American World Cup qualifier. Yeah, absolutely. Whilst we're in the spirit of South American football and uh, and all of the greatness that in, that entails. Let's briefly touch upon Jorge Wilstermann and their inspirational captain, King Eddie Zenteno, because things are going pretty well. They they have a really good chance of getting out of this group. What do you think, Austin? Good might be a bit strong, but they are certainly in with a shout to get out of Group C of the 2020 Libertadores. They're on seven points. 
with five matches played. They are a point ahead of both Peñarol and Colo Colo. They're three points behind Brazilian side Atlético Paranaense, who are already through. The big result for them was a nail-nil draw away from home against Atlético Paranaense. I think the result that they're going to be left wishing had gone the other way was the 3-2 loss to Paranaense on the first game after the pause. Paranaense had been playing for two or three months in Brazil. Jorge Wilstermann hadn't played a single match since March. They were up 2-1 against Atletico, and then they lost 3-2. Left at least one point, potentially three. That is going to complicate things for them. Uh, But as far as getting out of the group, they have a final day match away from home against Colo Colo. Peñarol have to play Atletico Paranaense. How motivated are Atletico Paranaense going to be for that match? Again, they're already through. It's a trip away from home. It's a complicated situation for Wilsterman. But look, they know that if they win away from home against Colo Colo, they'll go through. Um, Zenteno obviously gets a lot of the attention because he's a, he's a World Football Index legend. But this is a Jorge Wilsterman side that is they're used to playing the way that they play. You know, they're not going to come out and, and fool you with a lot of what they're going to do. Um, Leonel Justiniano is another Bolivian national team veteran. Uh, Gilbert Alvarez is a player who's been playing well in attack for them. They've got the Brazilian number 10, Serginho, who's been there for a while. Alejandro Melian in the midfield and defense is another player who, all things being normal, would be in the Bolivian national team. So this is a team that has had its kind of core group together for a while. They're a strong team. And even if they don't make it into the Libertadores round of 16, maybe the cards break right and they end up in the Sudamericana. And I think that would be a very positive result for them. I've been pleasantly surprised with what I've seen from them since the pause. And like you said, it wouldn't be shocking to see them get out of this group. And that would be a massive, massive achievement for them as a club. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Bolivar not looking so positive. I think perhaps a Sudamericana spot will be the the best they can hope for. Do you think they'll get that? Yeah, I think that would be a very perfectly fine result for them. Uh, They're three points ahead of Tigre with three goals in hand. Um, They play Guarani on the last day in the group stage. Tigre have to go away to play Palmeiras. So really the only scenario in which Bolivar don't make the Sudamericana is if Tigre managed to go to Palmeiras and win, which is not something I would expect to see happening. So we should see Bolivar in the Copa Sudamericana, uh, a mixed bag for them in the Libertadores. Certainly when this group was drawn, I think they would have thought that they had a pretty good chance to get out of this, particularly once Guarani got into the group. Guarani proved, I think, to be a bit tougher than, than we would have expected. Bolivar beat Tigre at home. They got a point against Tigre away from home. That probably needed to be three points if they were going to get out of this group. Um, They ended up losing heavily away against Palmeiras 5-0. That's not surprising. Lost 2-0 away against Guarani. That probably needed to be a point if they were getting out of the group. Javier Rojas in goal, particularly impressive for them. Uh, I think, again, all things being equal, he would have probably played himself into a uh, World Cup qualifying call-up for Bolivia potentially even a start the way that he played and sealed the point for them against Tigre with a penalty save late on. Uh, Juan Carlos Arce, uh, the forward is a player we've seen a lot of with, with Bolivia over the years, with Bolivar over the years. So I think all things being considered a Sudamericana spot is pretty good for them. And given the knockout kind of uh, stage 
of that competition, given how it's formatted, they're always going to have 90 minutes to play at altitude. And so if they can, you know, get something away from home, there'll always be a chance to go through. So it's a competition that certainly kind of favors them with its format. And I wouldn't be shocked to see them make a little bit of a run in that Sudamericana if they can get a little defending going away from home. Yeah, keep it tight away and then let the madness begin when, when yeah. they take them back to altitude. Exactly. Excellent. Well, thank you, Austin. That was all fascinating, as always, with Bolivia. It's always great to have a discussion on Bolivian football and, and learn what's going on and try and get our head around it. So it sounds like an interesting story that we can watch unfold in the coming days as World Cup qualifying begins. Um, as you know, Bolivia is in a weird position. They, they, they fancy themselves at home. They play some really good, proactive attacking football at home at the altitude. It takes some say two weeks to acclimatize to the altitude of La Paz to play football and well they don't nobody normally gets two weeks but it seems like the Bolivians are giving themselves some time to prepare uh, and going to try and catch Argentina out so should be a lot of fun Bolivia you know always always going to be decisive in in South American World Cup qualifiers um, rarely close to qualification but they'll definitely take points of some of the giants and uh, they can really make the difference in terms of who makes it in and who makes it out so, Austin, thank you again. Where can people follow you and anything you'd like to remind them before we say goodbye? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore James 906. Um, I'll probably be tweeting through these World Cup qualifiers. Personally, I'm really excited for them because it's kind of the first time in a while that I've gotten to watch South American football as more of a less involved observer given my day job. So I'm excited to sit back and kind of just bask in whatever happens, you know, if it's a, a big red card brawl, if it's altitude happening, I'm all for everything. So uh, sign me up for whatever's about to happen this weekend in South America. I'll certainly be intrigued by it all. And uh, maybe I'll be, I'll be pulling for Bolivia a little bit in, in the matches that are to come. We'll see. We'll see. But you're in Argentina. You can't pull for Bolivia. What's going on? Yeah, but man, if Bolivia beat Argentina and La Paz, that'd be fun. It'd be fun. Come on. You'd be lying to yourself if you didn't think it'd be fun. Is this your first South American qualifying campaign in South America? It is. It is. I'm particularly excited for it because it is my first World Cup qualifier on the continent. And the fact that uh, it has become distinctly more difficult to watch World Cup qualif- South American World Cup qualifiers outside of South America uh, I'm certainly excited for it and, and I'm looking forward to all of the madness. I, I was watching the, the, the TV today and uh, the channel here in Argentina, Tice Sports, was advertising for the match against Ecuador, which is the first match for Argentina, obviously on Thursday. Uh, kickoff from you know 2100 hours, 9 p.m., uh, but also that coverage is scheduled to start at, at 9 that obviously being 9 a.m. in the morning. So full day of free Argentina-Ecuador coverage awaits me on Thursday. And honestly, Simon, I can't wait. Yeah, you'll have the the players arriving off the bus. You'll have, you know, the administrative yeah. staff walking up and down the stadium. You'll get, you know, people sweeping the floors. you get all, all sorts outside yeah. the stadium usually. But I don't know how that's going to work. But yeah, I'm sure... Even if you can't get into a bar or get into a stadium, I'm sure your neighborhood will be will be shaken yes. with the tears and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm again, like I said, I'm really, really looking forward to the experience. So it should be a fun weekend. Absolutely. Me too. My favorite competition in the world, outside of the World Cup, is the South American World Cup qualifiers. And it's going to start. We're going to have games all over the weekend. Then Tuesday, when, yeah, it's going to be great. So enjoy that. Um, look forward to 
speaking at you again for the next podcast uh, and thanks for joining us lots of stuff on the world football index check out the twitter my twitter's at simon edwards saf and uh, yeah look forward to reflecting on everything that happens over the coming days as south american international football returns 